The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. The Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you, cure the sick who are there, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, Even the dust of your own thong that clings to our feet we wipe off and protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Be seated. So in our passage from Luke today, we're hearing um, a wonderful story, the sending out of the 70. Um, and in that are some very important lessons about our identity and our expectations as disciples. Um, so the first is about identity. Uh, this is Jesus making his first... Um, commissioning of people to go forth into the world and spread the good news. Uh, and that really is who we are meant to be as disciples. Uh, we are those who are sent forth. Um, specifically with the message of Jesus Christ, you'll notice in this story that he sent them to places he intended to go. That their job was not only to go out and announce the good news of Jesus, but to prepare the way for his coming. That, that is a part of what we do, that when we go out and we share with others our experience, our, our witness, as it were, um, with Jesus, that when we share that with other people and when we live according to that, we really are not only sharing that with them, but we're paving the way for God to come into their lives, that we really are making the way for Jesus to follow. Um, and really what we're doing is making the way for, for Jesus to, to be known there, because we know Jesus is really everywhere. But we're paving the way for them to have their eyes open to see his presence in their lives. Um, he also sends them out by twos. You know, that we are, as disciples, are not meant to tackle this world um, and these duties on our own, but we're meant to do it in community. Uh, that it is together that we are able to do this fine work. 
Um, and it is out there together that we do this work. You know, we're reminded that as people sent forth, um, our work is in the greater world. What we do here is not the work of the church. What we do here within these walls together is preparation to do the work of the church. This is how we learn to do that work. This is where we learn to be disciples and to share the good news and to be those who proclaim, right? But we don't do that here. We do that out there. This is, you might think of this as our, our docking station where we get our battery recharged. We were with um, some good friends this week and they have those Roombas and my kids were fascinated watching them deplete battery and go back to their docking station to get recharged and then go back out into the room to, to do its job. That, we are the Roombas, you might say, of the greater world. We come here to be docked, recharged, renewed, restored, transformed, and rejuvenated to go forth into the world and share the good news with other people. At the heart, that's who we are as disciples. Uh, there is very much a part of proclamation and apostleship in our identity as Christians. Now, when Jesus sends them out, he warns them that this is not going to be easy. It's not all sunshine and roses to be a disciple, uh, to be those who are sent forth. In fact, you're going to meet people who aren't really going to welcome you. Um, you know, he says you're going to find people that, yes, come in. They're going to feed you. They're going to house you. They're going to listen to what you have to, to say. But... You're also going to meet people who really want nothing to do with you. You're going to meet people and be in communities um, that you just, there's no place for you there, that you're going to be rejected for what you have to say. And Jesus was right about that. I mean, from day one, he was very clear that this message of Jesus Christ, his message, is not one that is readily accepted in the world because it is a radical message. You know, we just had, was it last week or week before last, neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor free. That's good news if you're the oppressed. It's not good news if you're the people in power because that means that you're not going to have a lot of power any longer. And so for all of eternity, as long as there are Christians in the world, there will be authorities and people in power who do not like the message that we have to share. Always. I mean, that's a, that's a given. We are always going to be rejected for the proclamation we have to share. And forget about prophesying, that's never welcome, right? Uh, to be the one who paves the way through the hardest ground, that is not a welcome position to be in. Um, and I think probably many of you have experienced that in your own lives, that there are times when you have shared what you deeply believe because of your Christian faith and have found yourself rejected, sometimes even by people you love, right? Um, that to take what you believe out into the world and to share that with others it can even be surprising who's not happy about it, right? Um, and you can, people have lost friendships. There's, there's lots that goes into sharing um, our faith with the world. And I think we experience that a lot um, sort of in our own tradition um, to be a, an open and affirming um, community means to, to be scorned by some of our fellow, even Christian brothers and sisters. Um, but that's part of it, right? Like we just know that that's part of going out into the world is, is being rejected by the world for the message that we have to give. So on my first day at my field ed placement as a seminarian, um, I was so shiny, so brand new, so new. My first time ever operating in any official capacity in my ordination process. Like I had been acolyte, lay reader, chalice bearer all in high school, so I had done all of those. 
um, one of my choir members when I was in high school said, oh, Mary's here, the service can start. Because three out of four Sundays I was doing something. But this was my first day as seminarian, right? So shiny. Um, and I was so excited. And I, I, uh, it was a prized place to be because the mentor there, the supervisor, um, was just one of the best ones. And he's still one of my mentors um, that I go to regularly when I, I, I need some counsel. Um, so it was kind of an exciting place to be. Big church, lots of energy, just such a, just good stuff happening, right? And so I was so very excited to be there. I was going to learn a lot. I was given the job of re- leading the prayers for the people. I wanted to do it well, and I wanted to do it right. I'd never done that before, so I practiced, and I was ready. And after the service, they, they had this patio that was kind of a semicircle with a low wall around it. And it was early fall, and we had um, tea and cookies out on the patio in the sunshine after church. It's lovely. Uh, so I go out, you know, with the you know, welcome line, uh, and all these people keep coming up to me. Oh, we're so glad you're here. We loved our last seminarian. We're very excited that you're here. We, we always have seminarians on board, and we just can't wait to see what you, you know, just, oh, just so supportive. So nice and welcoming, and I'm just feeling so good and so shiny and new, and this is exciting, and I'm learning about the church thing. And, uh, and I had sort of slowly backed up in the patio because people kept visiting with me and talking. And so I kept backing up until finally I was kind of up against the low wall in the patio and just kind of standing there and had just the briefest moment when no one was talking to me. Um, no one was around, and I, I was catching my breath, and okay, good, this is so nice, everybody's so nice. And then this woman started walking towards me with great purpose. And I thought, oh, that's so nice. Okay, she's coming over to, to say hello. Um, and she got about this close to me and put her finger in my face. Okay, that should be a sign this is going to be different. <laughs> put her finger in my face and she said, let me tell you something. Women have no right to be in the ministry. Okay, this is, this is going to be a very different conversation from, from the others I've had so far. And for the next 10 minutes, it might have been three to me, it felt like 50, um, she read me the riot act. I don't, she didn't even introduce herself. It really was she had prepared a speech to tell me, and she delivered it. And she didn't breathe, and I didn't breathe, and the whole time she just let me know all the reasons why women should not be priests. Uh, and she knew all the reasons and enumerated them very effectively and very loudly. And uh, I, when she finished talking, I really was so stunned. I had no clue what to say. <laughs> so what I found myself saying was, okay, well, I look forward to seeing you every week. <laughs> and I sort of found another place, place to go. Uh, and she walked away very contented with herself. Uh, I, I was very strongly reminded in the first true way that what I represent for many people is something very uncomfortable and that people aren't going to like that I do what I do. Now, I would love to tell you that's the only time that's ever happened in my life. I would love to tell you that. But once every year or two, um, if I have my collar on in public, uh, I do get approached by people, same determined walk, same determined <laughs> approach, and it's like coming in for a landing. You know? I see them coming. Oh, I know what's about to happen. <laughs> and I'm listening in. 
Uh, and so I learned uh, that it's, it can be very difficult, that the word we have to take into the world can be very difficult um, to share and for other people to hear. Now, what's important that we hear, this is sort of taking on to the third step of the sending out of the 70. It's important to note what the 70 said when they came back. Did you notice that? When they came back to Jesus, did they say, oh, it was awful. They were so mean to us and so rude, and we were rejected, and I was hungry in this. Do you, was that at all in the narrative? No. What did they say? Jesus, you won't believe what happened. You won't believe what happened when we were out there. People were healed. Demons were cast out. Lives were transformed. Stuff happened. Like, stuff happened out there. It was amazing. They came back with what? Joy. They came back with joy. That's not to say that they didn't find what Jesus promised they found, would find. We know from the story of the lives of the apostles that not only were they rejected, they were killed for the message they took into the world, right? Um, so it's not that they didn't meet their resistance. It's that the resistance was nothing, nothing compared to their witness to the power of God. That for every barrier they encountered, it was so small in comparison to how they saw God at work in the world. Now, follow up to this woman in the church. I asked my supervisor the next day, can you please tell me what happened? I don't understand that exchange. And he said, I'm so sorry, I should, have, I should have prepared you for that, and that's my fault. But he said, she and her husband are fans of mine, my supervisor. They come to hear him preach. They sit on the front row. She holds up, you remember the old dictograph machine, little recorders? She would hold one of those in the air, record his sermon, um, and then they would leave after church. They, he said, you'll notice they're not any, on any committees. They don't come to any fellowship event, events. They barely stay after church for coffee hour. They really do only come to hear me preach. They're fans. Um, and I'm sorry that I didn't tee you up for that. And so sure enough, I noticed, there she was when, when my supervisor preached. Bless you, Sandy. When my supervisor preached, uh, sure enough, front row, recorder on, like this, right? Um, and, uh, and didn't do that for anyone else. Uh, and then I noticed, after I had preached about three or four times, I looked down, and who's sitting on the front row? And what's in her hand? She and I never had another conversation, by the way. She never said hello to me at the end of the service. She would walk right past me, but she started recording my sermons. Hmm. I tell you, I remember the conversation the only conversation I had with her. But I remember more that recorder in my face. I remember more witnessing a change. And the more I learned about her story from other people on staff, the more I learned why she reacts the way she does and why she approached me. There was some history there. And I learned that it wasn't about me, it was about her own story um, and what I represented in that story, that I, I learned not to take it personally because of her. So now, when someone approaches me, I know that it's not about me at all. 
right? I, I know that what they see is my collar and they see my gender and that's all they see and it represents something in their life that they don't like. And that's okay, right? I know that they're not rejecting me personally. It's still not fun, it's still not a party, all right? <laughs> but I know how to take it better because of that first experience with that woman. Um, and what I went through in, in learning more about her. And that really is the takeaway for us, is that we are sent forth into the world. We're sent out as a community side by side to take the good news into the world. But that's hard news for people, right? There are a lot of people who at the core really don't like the idea that in God's eyes everyone's the same because everyone is loved unconditionally. We, we bucket that concept because there's not a sense of what humans consider to be fair in that system. And so that's not good news for many people who only want what we believe as humans is just and fair, right? And so we know that we can expect to go forth two by two carrying this news into the world and doing the difficult work that Jesus has given us, knowing that we're going to encounter not only blips in the road, but downright roadblocks and giant mountains to climb. We know it will be difficult, but the takeaway from our 70 is that every hard step is worth it. Because you won't believe what it's like to see God changing lives. You won't believe what it's like, the joy that fills your heart when you see someone transformed by the love of Christ. I'm sure you have experienced this in your lives. When you invited someone to be a part of a Christian community or shared, even just by action and not necessarily words, what we are called and who we are called to be as disciples and believers in Jesus Christ, I have no doubt that you've seen people changed by that and changed in surprising ways that you never expected. And that's, that's what you remember. And that's also what transforms you. That when you go into the world and leap over the hurdles and fight the good fight, when we run the race, what we find is not only how God is working in the lives of other people, because we have managed to pave the way, but we then find how God is working in our own lives to transform us, to make us more compassionate, to make us more loving, to make us more excited and more filled with thanksgiving and joy about the work that God has done in our lives. To be a disciple is to go out into the world not only to bear witness, to, but to be a witness and to be transformed by the amazing unconditional love of God. That's incredible work. Now, it's not that you don't remember the hard times, but you remember more and celebrate more the incredible miracles that you get to see. It's amazing work that we are entrusted to do. Is it difficult? Sure. But man, the payout, it's pretty amazing. So an invitation in our readings for today, remember our identity and who we are as those set forth into the world, sent out from our place of community, in community, through community, to community, to share the good news of Jesus Christ and the unconditional love of God, knowing 
that we're going to hit some hard times and we're going to be rejected. But for every rejection, there, is ten, there are ten moments of celebration and joy and miracle and transformation. And to that I say thanks be to God. Amen.